Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sport Nimrick Soccer Podcast. As you can see by the background for all three of us, uh, the nights are drawn in, which invariably means that we're getting towards the business end of the Artricity League season, Jason, as well. We have 3D United facing Cove Ramblers and their seventh last game of the season there. Uh, there's three home games left. It's fair to say, Jason, due to the, the form of Treaty and the fact that they'll want to stop the rocket back on uh, winning ways, it's, it's a must-win game against Cove, especially with the likes of Galway and Shelburne to come up uh, really uh, closely after that. It is. It's a big game, Adrian, definitely, but it's a good time to get Cove, obviously, beaten at the weekend in, in the Cup by Maynooth, so they'll be pretty flat on that. Uh, very, very poor result for them, obviously. They're on a poor run, then one in three. So Tommy and, and Treaty have had a break for the week. So you'd like to think they're rested up, Adrian, but it is a massive three points. There's no doubt about that. And and Tommy's team selection, I suppose, will will be very, very interesting. You know, we've said it for a couple of weeks, especially after the Wexford game. He really, really now needs to go back to basics and and get his strongest team out defensively, if you like. Um, and make sure to get three points because, as we know, at Clone are playing Cork and, and that's going to be a very interesting game. And if you have a winner there and Treaty don't come out with three points, then, then the gap closes again. Yeah, certainly. And Jason mentioned, all the fact that Cove are in really bad form. They lost to Maynooth in the last 16 of the FEI, which was a real, a real shock for everyone uh, in, in League of Ireland football. Darren Murphy had... Decent results in the first couple of games and the fact that he had a good result in Shelburne with Cove. Since then, though, it hasn't been going his way. They've lost two in the league, drama, and they haven't scored in any of those games and now obviously knocked out of the FAI. So it's fair to say he's had uh, quite a tough start and it does look like it's going to be a tough job for him. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough job. And uh, I think, you know, it's a it's a, an ideal game for, for Treaty. We said because Cove play a lot of their games on a Saturday night, it gives us kind of more of a chance to see see them play than we probably would see some of the other teams in the division. And they certainly play some nice, pretty football. And they, you know, they have some decent players in 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 their ranks. But certainly, there's there is a recurring team there. You know, their their failure to convert half decent chances into goals and like under both managers, they kind of suffered from this and. Uh, I think it was really apparent. I saw that you know against UCD, and and against that loan. Even when they were down to ten men, they were still capable of creating chances. But unfortunately, they couldn't put them in the net. And I don't really expect that to change. I thought they were poor enough against Treaty as well in in both games so far. And I do think it's an ideal game for Treaty. And Jason's right with the week's rest. You know, guys should be chomping at the bit now, and that extra bit of energy you have. There'll be lack of energy around uh, around Cove. Like I suppose it's kind of an embarrassing defeat, really. The only good thing they can say about it is that they managed to score two goals in it. And uh, John Kavanagh sent off as well, which I presume means that he's out for the game on Friday. Another experienced player. They haven't too many of them. So it does all point to a treaty victory, but the team selection is certainly going to be important. And, uh, you know, the balance between defence and attack, it certainly needs to be addressed. And uh, it's something that's kind of hamstrung Treaty in the last couple of games, and they certainly need to get it right for, for this weekend. Yeah, we'll certainly come on to that. But we'll stick to Cove just for, for the moment, Jason. I know, judging by our 
we'd say predictions before the season, we didn't expect maybe to see Cove going into the final seven games, second bottom in the league, uh, ninth position. I do know that you flagged at the start of the season that goals uh, could be an issue for them because we hadn't approved in goals. You have Conor Dryan in there, you have Jake Hegarty, Karen Griffin, all very promising youngsters, but there's no experience that goal threat as such. It's came home to roost as such for both, we'll say, Stuart Ashton in the previous management and Darren Murphy uh, now as well. It'll be an issue they'll probably want to address, but we, we hope it's certainly not addressed before Friday night anyway. No, and I don't think they can address it, Adrian. It's, it's a glaring problem. We flagged it just looking at their squad from, from the outside in at the beginning of the season and no one said it there and sorted yourself. We saw it on the two occasions that that treaty came up against Cove this season. As Noel said, playing a nice brand of football, but this is a, a results business, Adrian, as we know. And and Treaty really <clears throat> did the correct approach against them in both games. You know, they set off, they invited them on, and, and then they played them, you know, in behind and, and things like that. But we had a fit and full squad with a squad full of confidence, Adrian, when we played them earlier on in the season. And look, as we said, it's a perfect game for Treaty. They've had the rest. But it's still going to be interesting now to see are they going to be able to stem this this tide, I suppose, of, of poor results. They are capable of doing it, but we've both alluded to Tommy's team selection. We've seen it in the last two home games. Kevin Tealy at home, Kelly McNamara, a real glaring miss in the middle of the field, and they paid the price. And obviously last time out against Wexford, opted for edge, McCarthy right back with with no real cover in front of him, Adrian. So they're the big ones for me. If Tommy gets the team selection right, I think it should be three points. Yeah, and, and without further ado, I suppose we better, because both of you mentioned it, we better get on to that, Noel. The team selection, just to, to note from the last game, you had, a, as you've mentioned already, your back four, Ty Ryan and Golds, obviously back four, Ed McCarthy right back, Mark Ludden left back, Anto O'Donnell and Mark Walsh centre-backs, uh, Jack Lynch, Callum McNamara. You also had the biggest ones, uh, Stephen Christopher and Joel Castrain on the wings. Uh, Sean McSweeney and Kieran Hannon then uh, in the attacking positions. Uh, would you like to see any changes in particular for, for the game to that team on Friday? Yeah, I suppose, look, overall, and they look back at it, I mean, the right-back has been a bit of an issue during the season. Um, I suppose, at best, you could say that Charlie Fleming has been quite inconsistent. Um, it might be a game that you could play him, I think, this weekend. And I think... When you do put Ed, Ed, Ed McCarthy there now, he's a guy I didn't know a whole lot about before the season. I've been really impressed with him. He looks to me like he's going to be a real good player. Um, certainly, I've no issue with him playing right side in midfield. Um, I think it's 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 not a bad thing for a guy who would maybe end up in the centre um, to play there for a year. I often think as well that, you know, the young centre-halves, it's no harm to give him a season as, as, as a full-back. But I think by playing Ed McCarthy at right uh, back, you're kind of creating two problems because he's certainly missed out in midfield or he's missed out of right in midfield and uh, he's not he's not comfortable there. I think Matt Keane has to play. I mentioned this um, the last time and I think it's particularly, you know, far treaty can't be too open on both sides. There's no doubt about it that Joel Costrain is a very good player going forward. Um, not quite sure about Stephen Christopher yet, but... They do need to be solid on one side. Again, they may get away with it against Cole, but you know, you you spoke about the games that are coming up. I think it's no harm to have a kind of a an attacking type player on one side of the pitch, but I think you have to be solid on the other side. And I don't really see what 
Matt Keane has done wrong, you know, that he's out of the team. I certainly like to see him back. And maybe, you know, one of the things I liked about Jack Lynch was his ability to make the runs at the right time, to get forward at the right time. And I just felt against Wexford, he seemed to be forward all the time. And uh, he needs to come back maybe to be that, you know, a, li- a little bit of an anchor with Colin McNamara in the middle and just just time his runs. He might only make three, four, maybe five in the whole game. And when he does that, he looks a lot more effective as a player than he did against Wexford when he seemed to spend most of his time in a round where you'd have Sean McSweeney. Yeah, that was good in-depth detail from Noel there, Jason. Would you, what would be your own uh, opinion on the team that I had named out? Would you like to see changes from that as well? Yeah, same as Noel, really. I've been saying it for a few weeks, Adrian. You know, if I said it before the Wexford game, I had a feeling Tommy would go with Edward McCarthy at right back. But I also pointed out that if he did, he'd have to play Matt Keane in front of him. He didn't. He went with Joel Custrain, as we know. Um and it was a glaring miss, you know, and it was too long to change it. He waited until Ed was booked and then he changed him with Charlie Fleming. And against Wexford, I felt Jack Lynch was out on his feet and I'd agree with Noel. He was getting forward. I don't think he had the legs to get back myself. He looked tired and he still left him on for the 90 minutes. I couldn't really figure that one out either. But I think Adrian, you know, we've said it for a while. When treated were at their best, you had Matt Keane and Edward McCarthy in, in the wide areas. You really did, and, and their workmanlike performances, you know, really protected the fullbacks and gave us a solid base. And, and when they were in them positions, you saw Mark Ludden getting forward an awful lot more. That's something we haven't seen for a few weeks. And, and again, that's possibly because he knows the people in front of him are defensive-minded. And if he goes forward, they're going to be wide open on that side. So I'd agree with Noel. I'd go with Matt Keane and, and Edward in wide areas. I'd go with Callum, Jack and Sean McSweeney, Kieran Hanlon up top. And obviously the back four, Charlie Fleming back in there, Mark Ludden, Mark Walsh and Anto O'Donnell, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Because obviously, three, they are still in quite a, a healthy position, Noel. It's probably a tricky one to answer, but what would your own message be if you were Tommy Barrett uh, to the players going into this, this final stretch you now uh, with Cove coming up first? Yeah, well, I think he's well able to deliver that message. It's still game by game. Um, you know, you'd have to acknowledge that they haven't they haven't hit the heights in the last few games. Um, you'd be hoping that the week's rest has kind of re-energized them. And uh, and I think if Tommy puts the right team on the pitch, I think he uh, you know he'll get that performance that obviously everyone is looking for. So uh, look, the players are going to be up for it. It, it is it is comfortable at the moment. If they win, if they get the three points, you know, at the weekend, it'll stay comfortable for them. You know, it's 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 theirs to kind of lose at the moment, and they, and they don't want to get into that position where it becomes a bit of a doubt. It's certainly not a doubt at the moment, and uh, provided certainly they can get the three points, they'll certainly keep that doubt at bay at least for uh, for another couple of weeks, and it, it may not resurface at all. But with the week's rest, the right team on the pitch, a re-energized group, I think they're you know. They have a great chance of getting that three points and keeping getting that momentum back. It's an it's an ideal time. If they win that game and they've six games to go, they're certainly in a great position to hold on to the a playoff place. Yeah, we are due to speak to Tommy Barrett uh, during the week, later on during the week. So we don't quite know yet, maybe on the injury front exactly uh, how the break has done good for some and, and maybe not for, for others. But 
Uh, Jason, one player who has been back in training is Brian Murphy, who was with uh, Fairview and, and obviously Cove. He's kind of been, from his time in Fairview, where he was predominantly always on the right wing, it seems to be from Murmurins coming out from the treaty camp that he's done a lot of training in, in a striker position. Uh, would you like to, to see him maybe come in before the end of the season, or do you think that's likely now at this stage uh, to, to make any sort of impact? Yeah, he could certainly make an impact off the bench, Adrian. We've seen how how effective Woody Armstrong has been and, and again against Mike Sturt. So maybe he could be an impact sub for Treaty. I'm not so sure if he can play that lone striker role. He'd be good up there in the two. Um, but we see the role that Kieran Hanlon has played all year and, and Matt McKevitt when he's been given a chance in the side. You need that physical presence up there to keep the ball in mind it. And, and while Brian Murphy can do that when it comes into his feet, I think he, he'd be more effective in the two up there. You might see him in wide areas. You might see him in the number 10 role. But, yeah, he's certainly going to be an asset, Adrian. And, and again, with the week off, what you'd hope that Treaty were working on was maybe a variation of, of the set pieces. You know, we've kind of become a little bit too familiar with the back post corner, looking for Anto O'Donnell. Maybe a little change in that now for the last seven or eight games would surprise a few teams. And... And you'd love to see a bit of work being done on this. And just, as I said, some variations. Yeah, certainly, because set pieces have been very fruitful for the team uh, throughout the season. And we, we'd like that to continue. Noel, one player we've also always spoken at length about, sorry, is, is Sean McSweeney and his importance. Obviously, he had a, a period there this season where he was injured and his absence was, was felt. Considering the way the game went, he got the equaliser and then could have got a winner against Wexford, despite the whole team not playing well. And I did notice that people who were there at their first treaty game or had seen it first live were picking out Sean McSweeney as, as noticeably one of the better footballers in the team. We certainly need Sean now, like we do need everyone, but particularly in that attacking third, we need Sean uh, to be at his creative best as well, uh, particularly on Friday night where you're hoping that treaty will take the game to Cove. Yeah, I think so. And he'll have got a great boost from that goal. It was a fantastic header. And funny, I wasn't quite sure who it was, but he made a brilliant effort and a brave effort to get on the end of a cross. He looked more like a centre half actually than than a number ten. And and like for a split second, I wasn't sure who it was. I kind of had to watch to see who it was. And uh, he showed great bravery, you know. And and he will get a great uh, boost for that. And everyone admires him as a player. And that time he kind of loses his focus a little bit when you know when things aren't going well. And it's something that he's going to have to learn. That not every game turns out to be a great game, but certainly you know with the quality of the opposition at the weekend, the fact that he scored the last time um, and that there should be a bit more solid behind him, I think, which obviously when Treaty are solid behind him, it gives him a bit more freedom, you know, and a bit more possession, if you like, to create chances for Treaty. You know, I think he's going to be very important between now and the end of the season. Yeah, certainly. And just to move on to have a look at the other games in the first division, it's going to become more and more interesting as, as the weeks go on from here. But Jason, you alluded to it earlier, the fact that uh, Cork City are playing at loan, even though it's probably not the most high profile when you consider like UCD are playing Bray uh, in the division. For, for 3D fans, players and, and sports and likes, that's the game where there'll be one eye on, uh, even with, with the Cove game being on at, at the same time. You would, definitely, you know, and as you said, UCD and Bray as well. All them results, Adrian, could affect Treaty. And as I said a while ago, look, if there's a winner in the carpet, no one game, and Treaty don't come away with three points, then the gap becomes a little bit more close again. Cork on the back of, obviously, a fantastic performance. 
kind of alluded to last week, the cup game against Pats, mm. that there wouldn't be more than a kick of a ball in it, Adrian. It certainly turned out that way, going all the way to penalties. You know, and, and we were even talking about Barry Coffey and how he'd do in that kind of company. Mm. And obviously he got an equaliser for, for Cork City in the in the cup game in injury time. And it went all the way to penalties. So they'll be on a high, I suppose. Well disappointed, obviously, in the result. They can take great <clears throat> confidence in the performance. But look, that's kind of been a trend all year, hasn't it, Adrian, for, for Cork City, putting in great performances and and not getting the results probably that the performances weren't at loan, as we know. Paul Doolan is in there, got a bounce straight away with the, the victory against Galway. And they'll be looking for the three points. I don't think a draw is good for either team, Adrian, you know, but it'll be very, very interesting. At loan will be defensive, as we know. Cork have some very, very exciting players. It's going to be very hard to call. From a treaty point of view, we are hoping for a draw. We really are. But I hope Cork come out on top, and I think they will. First of all, I think I thought you were going to start sitting on the fence there for a minute. No. It wouldn't be like you. Not my style. Now that Jason has got that one out of the way, Noel, we'll, we'll throw you to, to UCD and Bray. Uh, it's, it's another one where, like, throughout the season, we've talked about how, how hard it is to call uh, in this league. But that's, that's what the experts are here for. So we're going to ask you for a prediction on that one. Yeah, again, on paper, it looks like a, a tight game. I think UCD are slowly getting back to that really bright form they had, you know, for a period early in the season. Um, they had a good win in the Cup last week, which, you know, which will give them a great boost. And I just feel there's not a whole lot between the two teams, uh, Ray and UCD. You can see that in the table as well, but there's probably just a bit more goals in that UCD team. So I kind of lean toward, towards a, a UCD win in, in, in that game. Yeah, two possible home victories. I don't know if that's going to change much, Jason. Jason, excuse me, in the next game uh, I give you, but Shelburne hosting Wexford. The only thing is, if Wexford can play anything like they did for, for part of the game against Treaty, they'll probably cause uh, Ian Morris' side a few problems. They might, Adrian, but we have to factor in Treaty's performance that night as well, and that certainly was a contributing factor. I don't think they'll get it as easy, obviously, against Shelburne they'll be looking to put the final couple of nails in, in their title challenge and, and they're nearly there. So you'd expect nothing less but a home win. Yeah, and Noel, I think it's fair to say you have Kevin Teeley hosting Galway considering the, the loss against that loan. Uh, John Caulfield will certainly be saying to his eyes it's time to put down a marker and that was only a one-off performance. Yeah, I think so. And again, you're looking on paper, they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde, Kevin Teeley, you know, they'll be disappointed about their Farm in the last few weeks outside a couple of games and I you know I'd be strong really strong on Galway winning that game yeah and Jason now that we're on to the, the local scene shall we say there's it's been obviously a hectic few weeks in junior soccer and and we cover obviously just the premier division due to time constraints alone but the the few results that were maybe surprising were obviously Balnanti were 2-0 up last weekend against Ashley and the Coddy. It ended up being 3-2. Now, they did bounce back with a win. But there has been a, a few departures from Balnanti, I believe, in the squad in the last uh, few days. They are expecting Conor Ellis back, which would be a game-changer in the next maybe month, month and a half. He's probably the most sought-after striker in, in Limerick Junior Soccer. Uh, but Pike have been steadily winning their games, even though they had to win late on uh, against Mungris. Fairview, despite the, the loss to regional, have, have been 
winning even by the, the odd goal and obviously we know about their signings and, and squad that they have. Uh, would it be fair to say that it's it's looking like it will be a straight shootout between uh, Fairview and Pike for the league? Yeah, it is, Adrian. I watched Pike and Belenanti recently in LIT and it was very impressive, Pike Rovers. <clears throat> a lot of the teams this time of year, Adrian, have players missing and that suffered Fairview last week against region, obviously missing a lot of players and and on the night went down and, and deservedly so by all accounts to regional. But I do think it's going to be a straight shootout between Pike and Fairview when you get to the Sunday morning only games, Adrian, you know. But look, this is where the top six and bottom six split will benefit all the clubs, really. Because mm. even if you look at Belenanti, okay, they've had two defeats already, but they'll still have two rounds of fixtures against everyone in the second half of the season because they're obviously going to finish in the top six. So this is where that benefits everybody. And, and if they're getting Conrellis back, Adrian, he'll certainly be an asset at this level. We all know that. Um, I didn't think Balnanti were fit. And I've seen Ashling. I don't think they're fit. So there's a lot of clubs, I suppose, trying to get up to speed and, and not do any damage to their points tally, I suppose, Adrian, in the meantime. But it's a very big ask for, for junior players to be playing this amount of games in, in such a short turnaround after such a, a lengthy layoff, I suppose. Yeah, and I know that Shane O'Hanlon last year, I thought he will probably be a bit happy with me not even mentioning them because in fairness, they have won all four of their games and, and maybe are going under the radar uh, somewhat, but it remains to be seen how, how that will go. Noel, uh, considering I, I know that you haven't had an awful long time uh, looking at junior soccer, it's it's something that's caught my eye from my own division. You've, you've certain clubs will say, that are struggling massively now just and, and clubs at a high level will say Premier A level struggling to to field teams and, and, and get the interest and garner the interest for training and matches as well, which is something that probably wasn't always the case. And even towards the bottom half of Premier, I mean, you look at Geraldine's there and you have a lot of club men and, and players that were playing maybe with the club's B team for years that have went up to, to help out the A team, which probably wouldn't have been the case every single week uh, for a while. It's the same with Kilmallock. Uh, there's a lot of clubs, there's a lot of, of, of teams and, and clubs struggling uh, at the moment. Uh, it's one question I've put to a lot of people, but like, do you think that that's more of a, a societal thing in that you know there isn't as many youngsters and as many people playing uh, football now? There seems to be an awful uh, problem with, with getting players interested in junior soccer at the minute. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it has a bit to do with the fact that a lot of guys, if they're not playing, say at, at, at they don't really want to play maybe junior football at a high level, and you know they play because certainly outside the the Premier and One A, you can see a lot of teams underneath, and they seem to have plenty of players. It's more of a social thing, and uh, while we would be at times bemoan the fact about the the fitness of some of the Premier League teams, um, the fact is, is that it's it's not senior soccer anymore, you know, and it's a, probably a small bit serious for some guys who just want to get out and get a game at um, at the weekend. And, you know, you kind of touched on it yourself about often, you know, a B team in a club or a C team in a club is, you know, can be stronger than the so-called B team or A team ahead of them. And I think it's more to do with the fact that Guys just want to get out and maybe have a game with their friends every weekend, and it's it's part of their social life, if you like. Then, bar the top couple of teams in the Premier League, you know, there is a massive gap. You know, you look at the likes of of 
Kilmallock and even Kuna. And obviously they're great to be up there in that and Munger, but there's a huge gap between, you know, what the power of the likes of Fairview and Balananti and Pike Rovers, you know, and at times Jamesborough, you know, the kind of money that they can spend on their first team and they seem to garner all the good players and it becomes a bit lopsided. So certainly it is an issue. I'm not so sure the top six and bottom six will fix it, but um, it's probably a way to kind of mitigating against uh, the one-sided games that if they're happening now, they're certainly going to happen, you know, particularly towards the end of the season when people totally lose interest, you know, when they realise that, you know, that they'll be lucky to win a game or they're on their way down to the Division 1A. But uh, probably a bit of that and also the fact that there has been no games for so long and guys maybe just haven't really got back into it yet, you know? Yeah, I certainly understand Noel's point, Jason, in the fact that, you know, people want to play for fun. There's no doubt about that. The only issue, I suppose, with that is for people running clubs, getting texts at half 10 on a, on a, a Sunday morning saying that you couldn't make it. It's almost impossible for, for managers of these teams and, and people involved in these clubs to keep it going when you are when you're when you can't rely on, on people as such. And there's another problem, I suppose, Jason, you might have encountered this when you were trying to get players to sign for, for Janesborough, is that there does seem to be an awful lot of players maybe at, at the better clubs that are, are happy to maybe just pick up a medal and only play one or two games a season when they walk into other teams in the same division? Yeah, and look, the pool of players, Adrian, is getting smaller. There's no doubt about that. You know, you look at the pool of players for for Pike and Ashling, Fairview, Bala and Regional, them top five teams, they kind of tend to pick off the, the better players from all the other clubs. And it's it's really difficult to know. It really is. But <clears throat> I suppose, look, how do you keep fellas interested? You know, you make the training interesting, Adrian. You set up realistic goals for them. And you try to keep them involved, you know, and, and that's really all you can do. But as Noel said, if you know you're going out, you're going to take heavy hammerings against teams, you know, you won't look forward to that. And it is difficult to get lads out. There's no doubt about it. You know, Gerald Lines are in a bit of bother. You can see it. Kilmallock picked up a point last week against Nina. That was big for them because it gets them off that dreaded zero points, I suppose, you know, and... Noel mentioned Kuna and Mungret and Prospect and James, but they're in a little group in the middle. And they're all vying for kind of the same players, Adrian. So that's kind of the issue. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and Noel, maybe on a final note, locally anyway, uh, we, we were speaking about it last week, but the, the Kennedy Cup draw was made. It's obviously going to take up a different format. It's not going to be a week out in UL in, in the summer time like it always has been in the past. It's going to be played over a few months period between group stages and uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, uh, all the way up until December. Uh, the Limerick County uh, carry a North tip for the Limerick District League. Uh, would you be happy with that draw? Yeah, I think we were happy with the draw. Um, we're... we're... We're really more happy that is that it is going to go ahead at all. Like, and it was it's been very tough for that management. And Niall Burns, like you know, because they've been training away for months and months and months under kind of a cloud of uncertainty. You know, between the electricity league underage getting going and they losing some players to the to the treaty under 14s, and you know, then the fact that you know we weren't quite sure when it was going to happen. So we did get a date of around the 11 or 12th of September a couple of months back, and then when the draw came out. Look, I think it's 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 a decent enough draw. We certainly won't be looking ahead of that. I know that they played Kerry already and lost, but that that should be motivation for them to to get back at them in the game that 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 really counts. And uh, hopefully they can do well. But again, like 
like Tommy Barrett, we'll take it game by game. That's the mantra. We'll continue it on throughout the ranks. Um, Jason, I suppose on a final note, uh, we can't go without mentioning uh, the international Irish international team uh, facing probably a mammoth clash against Portugal uh, this Wednesday evening. Do you give us any hope of, of getting a positive result in that one? You'd always have to be optimistic, Adrian, and, and look forward to the game. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. And here's hoping that the, the boys in green can maybe provide a very big shock. And we wish Stephen Kenny and the team the best of luck uh, in that one on Wednesday.